In an age of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. I'm part of the Sunday school ministry. I'm part of the counseling ministry and the camp ministry. I've got my woman's group ministry. I've got my flock group ministry. I'm the discussion leader. None of that, according to the scripture, is ministry. We have to see that Christ has instituted a particular ministry in his church through the ministers of the word, through the elders, and the deacons. We can't undermine that by our own so-called fake ministries. We'll talk about that tonight on Sinners and Saints. So much of the teaching happening in the church today is about how to become something, whether it's how to become a better spouse or parent or how to become more on fire for God. In the pursuit of becoming something else, we've forgotten who we already are. Come and experience the present realities of your Christian life through the Word and Sacrament at Grace Evangelical Church in Torrance, where the focus is on what God has done for you instead of what God could do for you. Call us at 310-782-7019 or visit us online at graceevangelicalchurch.org You're listening to Sinners and Saints on 99.5 FM KKLA Hi, this is Reverend John Sautel, pastor of Congregational Life and Outreach at First United Reformed Church of Chino. We are a Protestant, Bible-based, family-oriented church committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are located just off the 60 freeway at Mountain Avenue in Chino. We worship at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. every Sunday. If you'd like more information about our church, give us a call at 866-99-UNITED. That's 866-99-UNITED. We welcome you tonight to Sinners and Saints. Adam Kalustian with Moses Jambazian and John Sautel. We're the co-hosts of the program. We're pastors at local United Reformed Churches, Ontario and Pasadena and Chino. We are glad you are with us. We're talking about the ministry that Christ has instituted in his church, and that is not all the various things that you do and the groups you're involved in in the church, but it is the ministry which Christ has appointed through his officers. That's right, and we begin to think about the ministry which Christ has instituted. I think you, the foundational point you have to begin with is the fact that Christ is the king and head of the church. His ascension actually means something tangible and real to you as a member of Christ's body. And that is when he ascended on high and he sat at the right hand of God the Father, he was disclosed as the ruler and the head and the king of the church. And he rules in a very tangible way. Paul connects the ascension and the session of Christ at the right hand of God to church life in Ephesians chapter 4 when he said the same one who ascended to fill all things he gave some apostles some prophets some evangelists some pastors and teaching for the joining together of the saints and for the work of ministry 
Now, let me tell you, there's two ways to pervert this and to twist this. One way is to say, oh, well, there's one guy who decides everything. Some of you are in churches like that. You've got a pastor who functionally is a pope. I mean, Protestants always say, oh, we don't believe in the pope. You know, how does he dare say that he speaks? But, you know, they go to a church where the pastor makes all of the decisions and he runs everything that happens, and that isn't right. The other extreme is it's just voluntary. Well, yeah, Christ is, puts the Holy Spirit in everybody's life and everybody just kind of does whatever they're going to do, and that's the ministry of the church. And both ways are wrong. Our point is that Christ has instituted specific officers in the church in a specific way to rule today in his churches. Oh, there's definitely structure that you have to deal with, and there's no way to get around that. And unfortunately, people want whatever they do to be elevated and to be made higher and more important than it really is. And so you do something like, let's say you provide snacks after church. This isn't the snack ministry. You're providing snacks. That's it. It's a very noble thing to do. It's nice. We appreciate it. But to elevate it to the same as the preaching of the gospel, which saves sinners by grace alone, which is the work of the Spirit of God, it's not. That's not to belittle it for what it is, it's to rightly understand it. Okay, but what are these offices we're talking about? We're saying that it's important for us to define or, or see exactly where it is that Christ is ruling in the church. What is Christ doing in the church through these offices? What are they? Well, they're the offices of pastor or minister of the word. There is the office of rule, that is elder, and there's the office of deacon. And we distinguish that over against extraordinary offices. I read from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, which lists apostles and prophets and evangelists. And we, along with the Reformed tradition and the vast majority of theologians in the history of the church, has recognized that those were temporary offices. But now, these are the permanent ones. This is the backbone of the church, if you will. Pastors, elders, and deacons. And you see the point. The church has to have these offices, and the church has to be correctly organized because the Bible itself says this is how a church should run. Church can't just decide because it wants to, to look a certain way or have this kind of board or that kind of board. Yeah, for example, the office of the minister of the word, the pastor of the church. This one is probably the most belittled of the offices today, and yet it is of prime importance because we send our ministers to get trained, and then we examine them. We want to make sure they actually know what they believe and that they're able to articulate it correctly. But nowadays, where it's been cheapened, every single person who has a magazine subscription or a radio will listen to something and then come in and say, well, this is what Christ wants, this is what we ought to believe, and the rest of the flock is in total confusion and has no clue what they believe, what the Christian church is. You're right, Moses. This is confusion. And the culprit of this confusion is what you find in your modern Bible translations today in Ephesians chapter 4. We have been reading from this text over and again, but you have to go back to this text because it's foundational for understanding what the ministry is. Paul says in Ephesians 4.12 that Christ has given these pastors and teachers and so forth for the church. And all translations, the modern translations, completely mess this up. I think we've mentioned it before on uh, this broadcast in the past. But when you get to verse 12, almost all the modern translations begin by saying, For the equipping of the saints. That's where you get down to this whole issue. This is where the denigration of the ministry actually begins right here. As if that's all the ministry is for. Nothing special. You just equip saints 
saints. But the whole thing is that the original word there is actually the perfection of the saints. It's talking about the ministers actually administering something to the saints to prepare them for glory, and that the ministers have a job not to make other little ministers to go out there, but they have a specific office of serving the people, and the people then serve one another, not by ministry of the word, but by the other gifts that they've been given. They are constituted, that word is. They are joined together, and that happens through the public proclamation of the word. And in the next clause, Paul says that Christ has given these ministers for the work of ministry, for the ministry. See, in the modern translations, it reads, it makes it sound like the ministers equip the saints so that the saints can do, go do the ministry. And that's where you get this whole idea of snack ministry and camp ministry and counseling ministry and Sunday school ministry, and every other ministry in the world, because now they're told in their translation that just about anything you do within the context of the church is ministry. You also have the problem then of the minister losing all authority and every other person from the outside who speaks has equal or greater authority than the minister. In fact, the larger your audience because of your news magazine or whatever, that means the more authority you have and therefore that has to get imposed on the minister even though you really don't know who this guy is, what he believes or what his agenda might be. And so the minister is reduced to actually your servant, not in the way of Christ serving us by his work that saves us, but your servant as in he obeys your orders. Let's flip the coin to the other side. The other side is you got people, including so-called ministers, who reorganize the church and the authority in the church to sort of take advantage of their position. So you'll have a minister who gathers a few guys, a few yes-men around himself, and they will run the church. Uh, you, You don't have a group of elders. You don't have a group of deacons and the elders and the deacons meeting together as the council to make decisions as a group of Christ-appointed leaders. Well, we call that or, lording it over the saints, and that is that is a crime in our uh, church order. That's something that we would actually prosecute a minister for. Right, and you see other things in churches like people just having different boards that developed. I know of churches that have this Christian education board, and they run kind of all the teaching in the church, and then they'll have this deacons board, which doesn't actually do the work of the deacons, as the Scripture prescribes, but they sort of look over the direction of the ministers, and then you have... This trustees board, which handles the money only. But you see, none of this structure is what the Bible has given. And you can't twist the appointed ministry of Christ in the way that he ministers to his church today. When we come back, then we're going to break down these three offices. The minister of the word, the elder, and the deacon. This is Sinners and Saints. Theology with an edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 freeway, go north one block to Philadelphia Street, turn right, and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church, 866-99-UNITED. Welcome you back to Cinders and Saints. We're talking about the the ministry that Christ has appointed through 
his officers in the church, elder, deacon, and minister of the word. We don't like to hear that as Americans because I think everybody has an equal voice. We're in a democracy after all, so why shouldn't the church look like that? Because the church is a monarchy in which Christ himself is king, ascended in heaven and ruling from heaven, and he rules through the ministers that he has ordained and appointed. And in First Timothy chapter 4, very clearly there's this idea that Timothy has an authority given to him, and he is to exercise it, and he is even told, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourself as an example of those who believe. And until I come, here's your directive. Give attention to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So here you have very clearly an example of someone being told, don't let people even say that they have greater authority than you or equal authority than you. Don't let them look down. Instead, exercise the authority you've been given and do these things, and they are to submit to it. They are to listen to you teaching the word, and they are to understand it from you. If the church is going to follow the order that Christ has given, you're going to see these three offices set up, established in the church. Minister the word, elder, and deacon. Yeah, let's start with deacon. Um, That was appointed early on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. It grew out of a particular historical circumstance in the church where widows were being neglected because they weren't being served well. There was uh, tension and division within the church between the Greeks and the Hebrews. And also the specific item in which they were neglected was food provision. So the diaconal office is to take care of material needs. They are not there to take care of the spiritual needs of the people, although they can offer words of encouragement. But their primary duty is to make sure that believers who are members and numbered do not starve. Yeah, here's the thing. Christ does rule in his church. One of the aspects of his rule is that he cares for his own. When he has people in his congregation who need things materially or they need help in their day-to-day living and these kinds of things, this is what the ministry of the deacons is for. They are the ones who give the cold cup of water in the name of Christ to his people who are suffering. But you know what what often happens? People who are called deacons will neglect this and they'll think of it as a an office for power to seize control of the church. Right, or they become to, junior rulers in the church. And this is so important to emphasize this distinction. They are about mercy. They are about material matters. They are. It's not primarily a, an office which refers to the spiritual rule or oversight of the congregation. What I've seen, which is very interesting, is that quite often the minister of the word, instead of devoting himself to the study of the word and preaching, winds up being the one who has to actually administer all the mercy. He's the one that people come to to say they have the financial hardship, that they need food. Whereas the deacons wind up neglecting this duty and instead governing everything else in the church because somehow they're given control of the money. And we have to say, no, where they have an office, their office is very specific and it is an absolutely necessary office that cannot be ignored. Right. So the diaconate has to avoid pride on the one hand. And the flip side is we have to not downplay the significance of the diaconate. I mean, it's not sort of a secondary thing that they're involved with mercy ministry. I mean, it's no less important in the church that the deacons are actively providing the material needs for God's people, administering the offerings that are given for the poor and for those who are needy, than the ministry of the Word. Yeah, we don't want to denigrate the office of deacon. It's very important. In fact, it's so important that the ministers can't do their job without it. That's the whole point of Acts 6. The apostles threw up their hands in despair and said, we can't be responsible for There's no way we can be in charge of making sure all the widows have their food and provisions. We have to focus on the preaching of the Word of God and prayer. And the problem you have now also is that the deacon's office is despised by many others. And so they would come in and they say, well, I don't think the deacons are doing the right job. I see this person as hungry. The church isn't feeding him. So I'm going to step 
weapon and do it. And as a consequence, I'm going to despise the church. But they don't realize that the deacons have evaluated this person and seen that this person is not fulfilling his duties as a believer and therefore doesn't deserve this care. So what we need to do is raise up the offices to where they are, give them the authority that they ought to have, and then respect their decisions and support their decisions. We can't be undermining one another in these things and therefore destroying the body. Right. You make a good point. And that is that the ministry of mercy needs to be conducted under the oversight of officers. Christ gives this office. And, and you know, the whole approach to church office today is kind of indicated in this sermon that I heard one time by a Calvary Chapel preacher who was trying to say that they didn't need to have offices of elder and deacon. He kind of said, well, my feeling on it is wherever there's elling going on, there's the eldership. And wherever there's deaking going on, there's the diaconate. Well, that's not what the Word of God says. The Apostle said, you select from among you certain men who meet these qualifications, and we're going to set them apart to do the work of the ministry of mercy. It's so important that Christ instituted an office through his apostles to deal with this particular matter of material provision, and it's wrong for the church to not have deacons to meet these needs and to oversee this ministry of mercy. Yeah, of course, without a functioning diaconate, the love of the church is just a clanging symbol. You know, oh yeah, we'll meet your needs, but needs aren't met spiritually. That's why you got to have deacons. you got to follow the pattern that Christ has given us in his word. He appoints deacons to show his mercy to his people in his church. When we come back, we'll talk about the other offices, minister of the word and elder on Sinners and Saints. Reformation Radio, theology with an edge. Come to worship God at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hear the gospel faithfully preached. Rejoice in the God of your salvation. Come and join us on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. We are located at 226 West Colorado in Arcadia off the Santanita exit of the 210 freeway. Call us at 866-99-UNITED or visit us at urcsocal.org. Welcome back to Sinners and Saints. We're talking about how Christ rules his church, and that is through the appointed officers. That is the ministry. Not everything is the ministry. Not everything that you do in the church is a ministry. Christ does ministry through his appointed officers. We talked about the deacons. Let's talk about the minister of the word. The minister of the word is one who is particularly appointed to actually announce the promise, to herald the gospel. And he is the one that Paul speaks of in Romans chapter 10, the one who goes forth, having been sent out, supported by the church to preach the gospel, and that is what will save sinners. Notice that, how Paul said, how can they preach unless they are sent? That means you got to be sent to be a preacher. Not everybody is preaching the gospel. Not everybody is ordained to the minister of the word because they talk about the Bible to somebody else. Not everybody is doing evangelism because they are explaining the gospel to their friend. you got to understand this. There is a distinctive office that Christ reaches out in evangelism in the ministry of the word, and that is through the minister of the word who is ordained to that office. Yeah, that text is so important to talk about the function and the role and the purpose of the office of minister, Romans ten fourteen, because it says, how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? Now, what Paul is saying in that text is that the way to actually believe in Christ is to hear him. How do you hear Christ? You hear Christ through the sent preacher of the gospel. This is absolutely fundamentally important to the witness and the outreach of the church. You can't sort of wander around and focus how God is working in your life through your talking about the gospel to other people. That is not how Christ ministers, according to the scripture. He ministers through the office of the minister of the word. I want to read this text from 1 Timothy 4, 16. He's writing to Timothy, the young pastor. 
Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Now think about that language for a minute. You will save both yourself and those who hear you. Well, obviously it doesn't mean that Timothy's blood atones for the sins of those people. It means that Timothy is the one who has been appointed to be the means through which the people of God will have the blood of Christ applied to them. He is the one who is given the task of the preaching of the word of God, as John just explained. We're not saying that individual believers are not to be a faithful witness of the gospel, but what we are saying is they are not preachers of the gospel. That is not your task. You have a different vocation, a different calling. You are to be showing the beautiful fruits of the gospel in your life in love of the body of believers in a change and more sanctified means of looking at the world and acting in the world but the gospel preaching that is a unique office in which people have to be trained to go out and do it it's not for everyone i want to say something about that though there are some of you who need to keep your mouth shut you think you're a minister of the word you don't have any idea what you're talking about and constantly in discussions with unbelievers you open the bible you you don't really understand what it says but you try and explain it as best you can look it's better to keep silent and let the officers who have been trained and appointed to that task do the speaking. It's okay to speak when you know what you're talking about, but look, not everybody has the responsibility to open their mouth on behalf of Christ. Or the ability. That's part of what this is about. You say, well, this is so important to me, I can't help but just speak about it all the time. Well, the fact is, the Word of God says that there are ministers who are devoted to this full-time, to the study and the ministry of the Word. Christ thinks this is important, too, and he says it's so important, spiritual matters are so important to you and to the church and to salvation of people, that he says there is a group of people who will do this 24 hours a day. They are set apart for this call. There's a great story in John of the blind man who is given his sight back. And when he is confronted by the Pharisees, he just says, look, you can say what you want. I know this. I was blind, but now I see. In most of the cases of Christians in the church, what you need to say is, I know I was a sinner. I didn't keep the law of God and my guilt overwhelmed me and my guilt has been relieved by the blood of Christ. You want to understand what that means or how that's done? Come to church, hear the minister preach the gospel to you. That is your job. Draw the people in by invitation. Tell the people of what God has done for you and invite them to come hear the word which saves. You know, lest you be confused, there's nothing special about the men who are called to be ministers of the word per se. We are to highly esteem them, our confession says, because of their office or for their work's sake. It's not that ministers are better or more important Christians than other people. That's not the point. The point is they've been appointed to a certain office. That's why we hate this idea of cults of personalities, churches that are built up. When you think of this church, what do you think of? Oh, that minister who started it, and it becomes you know, known as this guy's church, or that guy's church, or that guy's church. That's not what we believe about the minister of the word. He is the minister appointed to preach the gospel of Jesus in Jesus' church, and there are elders appointed to help him, to keep him in check, and to help him govern the flock, that the flock might be led rightly in those things which bring glory to God. Yeah, and that's a beauty of the biblical form of government is it's not just one guy out there functioning as the chief executive officer of the church who's kind of like the big commander of the army who appoints his finger and expects people to jump and to go and no the minister is just one minister he's just one person he's just one officer in the church and he rules in conjunction with the elders and they keep him accountable as well as oversee and inspect the lives of the saints both in doctrine and and in godliness. 
And that's really necessary. The same way that we go to the doctor now in order to be examined, even when we feel healthy, the elders are there in order to help examine you, to ask you questions, to confront you on things that they may have observed, that they may help guide you into the narrow path that leads to righteousness and to life. Now, we need to understand, when we say elder, we're not talking about an older person in the church, although typically elders in churches are older because they're the ones that are more sanctified and have greater knowledge over the years and uh, have more experience and more more wisdom. And wisdom from life experiences and living with the Word of God. Right, but being an elder is not the same thing as being old. Uh, There are qualifications for the office of elder that everyone must, or that any man who is an elder must meet. 18, good haircut and riding a 10 speed? Yeah, that's right, Moses. I mean, when we say that an elder doesn't have to be old, I mean, we do see the problem with these Mormon so-called elders these little punks driving around that have no idea about the doctrine they're professing. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. And objection. they don't have the responsibility of governing anyone either. The elders are to be in some ways the fathers of the church and help govern and take care of. And so, yes, they do need the experience and they do need to have something that projects authority. And so, yeah, it's not for everybody to walk up and become an elder. I'll tell you something else that they need to have, and that's conviction about the truth. You know, Paul tells these elders in Ephesus before he leaves, this is the last time I'm going to see you. He said, from within you are going to rise up ravenous wolves who are going to destroy this flock. And if you do not have that deep, uh, wholehearted conviction and commitment to the truth, you're not going to be able to serve as an elder because an elder, one of the primary jobs of the elder is to protect the sheep from wolves. Where have all the offices gone? We've forsaken the church offices because we think we can do it better. We're wiser than God, but that's not true. The ministry of Christ as he rules over his church is through the appointed officers, the ministers of the word, the elders, and the deacons. You need to be in a place where you know Christ is ruling through his offices. We'll see you next time, sinners and saints. Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.